Chapter Six of Plow Stories by Clara D. Pearson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Letitia finds a friend. A pale-faced little girl of ten walks slowly down the village street in Marshfield, Massachusetts, one sunshiny morning in eighteen thirty-seven pausing now and then to look after some passing team or to watch the birds hopping over the ground in search of worms she had a small basket of eggs in her hand and whenever she stopped she set this down on the ground or on a nearby stone wall other children ran and skipped about her but ladisha was too weak too tired to play with them she was carrying the eggs to her aunt betsy and when she had delivered them she was going back to lie on the couch at home at least that is what she thought she was going to do for she did not want to play outside as the other children did on their holiday she wanted to lie still indoors and watch her busy mother do her saturday baking and put the small house to rights for sunday aunt betsy had a kind heart but a rather sharp tongue and when she saw her small niece strolling along so lazily she said sakes alive child why don't you spunk up some you act more dead than alive ain't you feelin any better than you did letitia shook her head and edged towards the door she was tired of hearing people talk about her being thin and pale and slow but her aunt would not let her escape are you keeping out of doors the way the doctor said you should she persisted it ain't every child has the chance you have keep out of school and given medicine and extra kinds of vittles the way you are letitia talked back yes she did she talked back to her aunt in a manner not often heard in new england i hate the medicine she said and i don't like the vittles and i'm not going to stay out of doors i'm going home to lie on the couch right now there there said aunt betsy there ain't any need for you to get riled because a body asks after your health is there i know one kind of vittle that you never refused yet so you just draw up to the kitchen table and try fresh floating island aunt betsy was right about that and letitia was soon enjoying her favorite dish thick yellow custard with fluffy little islands of beaten white of egg floating on it and in the centre of each island a delicious scrap of pink crab-apple jelly aunt betsy served it for her in one of her very best china bowls white with tiny bunches of grapes and leaves on the outside raised above the rest of the china and colored a light blue also she took from her cupboard a thin old spoon of solid silver and handed to letitia there she said i'll let you use one of the spoons that were given to your grandmother at her wedding the one your father marked with his teeth when he was a little boy and bit too hard so letitia forgot to be cross and sat on a rush-seated kitchen chair the back was painted black with yellow stripes and red flowers on it and supped her custard and broke off and ate one bit after another of the white islands until all that was left in the old bowl was a small yellow pool of custard with three scraps of crab-apple jelly now she said i am going to eat my jelly so i can't talk any more for a while to get the full good of jelly you know you have to let it melt slowly in your mouth and think about it every minute 
that was the way Letitia always did when she ate Floating Island, and that is the way you will probably do if you ever had the chance to eat any. When it was all gone, Letitia laid down her spoon with a sigh, her little smooth, thin old spoon with the dents from her father's baby teeth in it, and arose to go. Thank you, Aunt Betsy, she said. It was very good, and I am sorry that I was cross. Then she picked up her empty basket and walked slowly down the path to the gate in the picket fence, opened and relatched it carefully, and returned the same way she had come. Her Aunt Betsy stood, bowl in hand, watching her, until she passed the corner. "'Sakes alive,' she said. "'I do wish Letitia wasn't so puny. Seems as if she was more piqued than ever this spring, and they can't get her interested in anything.' She sighed again and turned to her work. She had no child of her own, and she was very fond of Letitia. Meanwhile, the little girl had gone as far as the village blacksmith's shop when she met a gentleman who was tall and very dignified. He had straight black hair, streaked with white, and very large dark eyes. He stood very erect and had a fine deep chest. He looked down kindly at her and said, "'Good morning, little maid. Oh, "'What are you doing this fine morning?' "'Nothing, sir,' said Letitia. "'The dark-eyed gentleman smiled, "'and his rather stern face became extremely pleasant. "'Is it enjoyable to do nothing?' he asked. "'Is it interesting? "'Is it as much fun as rolling a hoop?' "'I don't want to run about, sir,' said Letitia. "'The gentleman smiled again, "'but this time there was a queer sort of tenderness in his smile. "'One might almost say that there was more tenderness than amusement in it. It was as though he remembered years of weakness and languor before he had built up his own fine, strong body, and was sorry for a little girl who was not strong enough to want to play. "'Would your mother mind if you did not hasten home?' he asked. "'No, sir,' replied Letitia. "'She likes me to stay out of doors, only I don't always want to.' "'Do you suppose,' said the gentleman, "'that you could sit in my wagon here "'and watch my horses while I am busy with the blacksmith? "'I have just tied them, you see, "'so they cannot run away with you. "'It is very comfortable up on this long seat in the sunshine, "'and the folded robe will make you a soft couch, "'if you wish to lie down. "'Perhaps if you are here the horses will stand better.' One might have thought that his large, dark eyes twinkled as he spoke, and suddenly Letitia felt very well acquainted with him. "'I'd love to sit up there,' she said. "'I could pretend that they were my horses, couldn't I? And then I could watch the blacksmith at work, and that would be nicer still.' So the gentleman helped her climb to the high seat, rearranged the old robe on it to make her more comfortable, and then turned to the blacksmith, who had put aside his hammer and now stood in the doorway. "'I brought the new plough from the wheelwrights,' he said. "'I stood by while he made the wooden mold-board and shaped its curves. Now we will cover it with strips of iron and fasten on the iron share and the iron coulter. "'I have them ready, Mr. Webster,' said the blacksmith. "'It will be but a short task.' Mr. Webster! Now Letitia knew who the gentleman was, for although she had never seen him until that day, she had often heard her father speak of the great statesman 
whose farm lay beyond their own he was a man whom all this great young nation admired and respected and yet who never held himself to be too wealthy or too important for the common cares of a farmer or the pleasant friendships of country life and this great man so lately returned from washington had invited her to sit in his wagon and she could watch the work done on his plough letitia suddenly found it a very interesting world and she forgot to feel tired or too long to lie on her mother's couch the blacksmith's man was called to help in lifting the great plough frame and the mould-board from the back of the wagon and carrying them into the shop then to letitia's great surprise she saw mr webster remove his coat and fasten about his waist a leathern apron like the ones which the other men were wearing she could not hear what they were saying there in the dark shop so much darker than the place where she was sitting but she watched them as they bent over the mould-board and handled the share and the coulter the walls blackened with smoke made a fine background and it made a wonderful picture save that the figures moved and letitia had never heard of a moving picture soon the blacksmith's helper began working the great bellows and the glowing coals began to send forth flashing flames that roared up the chimney then the smith picked up the coulter with a pair of tongs and laid it in the fire mr webster had not been satisfied with its shape so it had to be altered to please him after a little the blacksmith drew it from the forge and laid it on the anvil hammering it into a different shape as mr webster watched and directed him it looked as though the blacksmith did not quite understand what was wanted for soon letitia saw mr webster take the smith's place reheat the coulter and wield the hammer himself until it suited him after that she saw him work in the same way on the share and now she remembered hearing her father tell her mother that daniel webster was planning a huge new plough with which to till a field where the scrub oak had burned off but the roots remained she decided to watch very carefully that she might tell her father and mother all about it letitia sat on the high seat all morning except when she became so interested that she had to stand she thought that she saw somewhat better when she stood at last the three men brought the great plough out with its iron strips its coulter and its share all in place and put it in the wagon to be carried away when it was loaded the handles stuck out far beyond the end of the wagon box for the plough was twice as long as the blacksmith was tall twelve feet long letitia heard her father say afterwards when this was done and the blacksmith paid mr webster washed his grimy hands took off his leathern apron put on his coat unhitched his team and climbed to the seat beside letitia i'll drive you home he said for the smith told me that you live on one of the farms that i pass what do you think of my plough it is very big and looks very strong replied letitia it needs to be big and strong said mr webster looking straight ahead of him it has a hard job to do it has to break up and turn under the tough roots of scrub oaks and it has to cut a furrow twelve inches deep 
your father's plough does not cut over four or five inches deep i am sure for none of the ploughs around here do your father must come to watch mine at work he drove in silence for a while and then he said ploughs and people need to be strong ploughs cannot make themselves strong but people can it is a wonderful thing to watch a weak young body grow strong and fine and equal to the work and play of life before she knew what she was saying letitia cried out oh mr webster how do people make themselves strong tell me some nice way to do it then mr webster turned and smiled down on her there is no easy way of making either ploughs or people strong he said but i had a weak body when i was a boy and i was willing to do many difficult and disagreeable things to make it strong the teacher thought this over did you stay out of doors when you didn't want to she asked i did said mr webster gravely did you eat victuals you didn't like if the doctor said you ought to asked letitia i did said mr webster did you take bitter medicine brewed from herbs asked letitia i did when my mother wanted me to said mr webster again they rode in silence for a while then letitia spoke again i'm not very strong she remarked i had the whooping cough and i've been spindling ever since but it made me mad when people talked about it perhaps i'd have been mad if you had talked about it i wouldn't have thought of talking about it said mr webster then he halted his horses in front of letitia's home and handed the egg basket to her after she had climbed down tell your parents that mr webster asked you to mind his horses for him he said and say that mr webster would like to have your father bring you with him to-morrow to see the new plough tried the next afternoon letitia and her father drove to the webster farm he joined the other visiting farmers in watching the plough while she sat on the seat of her father's wagon and watched also or else looked off to where the blue waves of the atlantic ocean sparkled in the sunlight four pairs of daniel webster's beautifully matched oxen were yoked to the great plough mr webster himself had hold of the handles although sometimes six and sometimes eight men had to help in the steering and steadying of the plough there was a constant cracking and snapping of roots and they and the small stumps of scrub oak were turned into the furrow and well covered by the mellow soil which rolled over them from the iron-covered mold-board wherever letitia looked she saw something strong the tough scrub oak stumps and the roots were strong but the plough was stronger and was drawn by strong oxen and guided by strong men right then letitia made up her mind about something that she had thought over the day before but of course you do not know what that was when it was nearly supper-time and the farmers began to come toward the place where they had left their teams mr webster walked across the field with them wiping the sweat from his forehead and lifting his hat to let the fresh ocean breeze cool his head i am more proud of my new plough he said than of anything i ever did at washington 
back of everything else in this country the very foundation of our success must always be the tilling of our fields he saw letitia and spoke to her as to an old friend the other farmers passed on and when only her father and mr webster remained letitia did a very queer thing may i whisper to mr webster she asked her father he nodded and she leaned over until her lips were near the great man's ear i took my bitter medicine without a fuss she said and i ate my plate clean at every meal as clean as the cats except i didn't lick it off and i have decided to be strong thank you for telling me said mr webster you are a very sensible little girl many years afterward when letitia was an old old lady although hale and hearty she used to tell this story to her grandchildren and she showed them a picture of her childhood friend the good neighbor famous statesman and wise hard-working farmer sometimes she even showed them the thin little old spoon bearing the dents of their great-grandfather's baby teeth i used that she used to say the very last time that i had to be coaxed to eat my victuals. End of chapter six